This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Julian Morgans, and you're listening to What It Was Like, the show that asks people who have lived through big, dramatic events what it was like. Lots of countries in Europe conducted witch hunts. England, Germany, Holland, France, Italy, Switzerland. They all went through phases of accusing people of witchcraft and murdering them. Um, and I actually, I became fairly interested in this theme recently. So I, I did some reading and I found this number. So 110,000 people in total were tried for witchcraft over the late Middle Ages. That's across Europe. And of that number, maybe 60,000 of them were executed. And of course, you don't need me to point out that uh, these people were completely innocent women, and the whole thing was stupid and utterly tragic. But anyway, that's just a bit of backstory, a bit of context. Our story today takes place in England. This is the county of Essex, which in the late 16th century tried hundreds of people for witchcraft. Uh, They got pretty enthusiastic about witch hunts. And actually, just as an interesting aside, I'd like to point out that Salem, you know, the infamous town with all the witch trials, the Salem witch trials. So Salem is in the American county of Essex. Um, And this county was largely founded by colonists who had actually grown up in England. They'd grown up in the English county of Essex and they'd traveled across the Atlantic Ocean and they'd taken all of their crazy beliefs with them to North America where they'd started new colonies, but just with their old, old ideas. Um... Anyway, back to the UK. Our story happens in a little village called St. Ozith. And records show that in 1582, 
a total of 14 women were convicted of witchcraft in this town. And the first of these was a woman named Ursula Kemp. Now, according to evidence, Ursula was a poor midwife and she'd fallen out with another lady in the town and and she was accused of killing this woman's child and then she was thrown into the local prison. She was trialed, found guilty, and then she was hanged. And now this is this is really where the story takes a sidestep because actually in this in this interview today we're not really talking about witches or or not really what we're doing is talking about this building this prison that housed so many people accused of witchcraft the locals in St Joseph they call it the cage and it was in service for hundreds of years all through these witch trials and then into the modern era when it finally became a residential home and was put up for sale and in 2004, a woman named Vanessa Mitchell decided to buy it, and that's where our story starts. Vanessa is going to tell us about her experience of moving into the cage. And look, I'm just going to flag it. This is a ghost story. I don't know how you feel about ghosts. And look, you know, honestly, I don't know how I feel about ghosts. But I think this might be just one of those stories where you change your mind. Or, or I don't know, at least I did. Like, at the start of this interview, I was thinking, oh, there's got to be a logical explanation. But um, yeah, I've got to admit, by the end, I was kind of like, well, I don't know, maybe there is a logical explanation, but I sure as hell wouldn't ever stay in this house. So look, here's the interview. And you know what? I'm tipping that by the end of this conversation, you'll have decided that you wouldn't stay in this house either. Thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we're just going to start with you buying a house. Like, tell me what was happening in your life at that time. At the time, um, I was selling caravans, static caravans, um, on holiday parks. I was a very successful salesperson and I had lived up north and I just sold my house up north and I was back in the area. I wanted to come back home to St. Osith, really. And I just came home one um, one weekend and saw that the cage was up for sale, randomly. Um, and I just, for some reason, thought, okay, I want to buy the house, I want to buy the house. But at the time when I brought the, the cage, I was, I'd been selling caravans for years, I was doing really well, and I had no issues or anything. Life was, life was good. I worked hard and a lot of money. And... Um, just, just sort of for sale and thought, right, I had a house up in, in Newcastle anyway, where I was working at the time, or I'd been working before, and I thought, right, I need to sell that house quickly so I can, so I can buy this cage. I just, just completely obsessed with it. Um, Why were I, you obsessed I'm, with it? Like, what I, I was it that you liked about it? I do not know. I mean, I'd already, I'd, I'd always known the, the house, the cage, because it was along the road of my childhood house. I grew up in a huge um six bedroom house with servants quarters and attics and cellars and everything an ancient you know 700 year old house up the road so wow. i was aware of the cage but hadn't I, I can't say i ever had a real interest in it to be honest even as a child i mean we all all the villagers knew that it was the witch's house but i can't say that it was anything special to me um, but just one day I just saw the cage up for sale and just thought I've got to have I've, I've just, just completely tunnel visioned. It came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, this literally obsession with buying this house. So I put an offer in the cage 
And um, there was a few other offers going in at the time, um, and he accepted. He you know, they accepted mine. Okay. And um, but I surely, it. okay. So I mean, you know, congratulations, you got the house, even if it turned out to be a bit of a disaster. But uh, I mean, surely you were aware of its reputation. You know, you grew up in the it area. D- it didn't have a reputation. Really? It didn't. There was nothing there. Ha- no, uh, I don't ever remember. I. I re- no, that's a bit of a like when I was in my I suppose early twenties, um, I knew someone who had friends that lived there and they said it was haunted. But you've okay. got to remember, I live in St. Osif, it's an ancient village. Our entire village is pretty much haunted. So why would I cap it didn't bother me. It's like, well, yeah, well your the cage might be haunted, but so is every other house. <laughs> you know, it Yeah, didn't- yeah, sure. It sure. was just, oh, oh, well, that's just normal. It, I, I didn't at all think any more deeper into it than that. Um, but the man who'd lived there before, um, about about a year before, had hung himself in there. So I was aware of that, but I didn't know him. Um, I and looked that back, didn't worry you? Well, I look back now and wonder why it didn't. And... But nothing did with that house. I don't know why. I just become so tunnel visioned. I, to, to be honest, I think they could have said four people had hung themselves in there, and it wouldn't have made any difference to me. I, I just wow. wanted to buy the house. I, you I don't just know really why. Really wanted that house. Just I, I had to have the house. It didn't matter what. I had to have the house, and I don't know yeah. why. And I still don't know because it wasn't a house that, I, that I'd ever thought. Oh, that's my dream house, or you know, before as a child or as a, or as an adult. Just had yeah. to have it that 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 day, that weekend, and that was it. Can you describe what it looks like? Um, yeah, from outside, it's like a pretty much little chocolate box house. Um, it's it's bricks and it's got a very old fashioned wooden door, which was the original door where the prisoners used to be. Um, you know the the, the access to the prison the, the prisoners used to go in those days. Um, it's got a plaque on the outside saying about Ursula Kemp who is one of the most famous witches in this this country um, because there was so much written about her, so much documented about her. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look scary from the outside. It looks really pretty. It's um, off the back of uh, Coffin, Coffin Alley, Coffin Path, where it's called Coffin Path because in the old days all the, all the coffins would be taken on the gurneys up past my house to get to Clay Lane to be buried. Um Wow, and in the village it's church, so quite a but, quite a morbid town in some ways. <laughs> your your description vill- of yeah, yeah, but old English villages, you know, where ancient are little villages, and that's just what a lot what a lot of them are like. Yeah. So it's just, but it's a very pretty village. It's a very pretty house from the outside. It's next door to a beautiful pub, the King's Arms, and Saint Osith is a beautiful village where where we're next to the sea. So yeah, nice. you know, it's 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 lovely. How many people live in the town? Well, it, it is a village, but now there's quite a few people moved in, so it's kind of classed as a town. So I, I, I don't know how many people, to be honest. Okay. All right. So you're, you're selling caravans uh, and you, you're living in Newcastle, but you get this house. You successfully put in a bid for the cage and suddenly it's yours. So you move in. Like, Tell me, tell me about that process of, of making it your home. Well, I moved in with my friend Nicole because I asked her if she wanted to come and live with me and rent a room, which she did. Okay, and we've Nicole's been friends like since, a yeah, we've been friends best friends, kids, yeah, nice. since primary school, literally. So, um, yeah, 
and we'd, we were always good friends. So I said to her, I'm getting this house, you want to move in? And she, she was like, cool. So we were really excited. I was really excited. I was very proud of myself because I'd got this house that I paid for myself, worked really hard to get it, worked hard to get my first house to be able to buy the cage because yeah. I sold it for a profit, the first one. And I was just proud of myself because I'd done it on my own without any help. And um, I was excited. I just was really excited and happy, of course. Yeah. Of course, moving in with my yeah. friend and everything was, you know, I was loving it, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's great. When when was the – tell me about the first time that something felt a bit off, a bit weird. It was the first day something felt a bit off. I was um, I was in the kitchen and Nicole was getting in boxes to and back from the car, and we both were. And I was just making a cup of tea. I said to her, John, a cup of tea. Um, I knocked on the, uh, and, and I could see her going back and forward from the kitchen window because the kitchen window looks out to Coffin, Coffin Path and, and the King's Arms are pub next door. So it's, it's got a, a good view. And she was going back and forward and I was busy in doing something in the kitchen and just thought she'd come in, but I saw something behind me, you know, if you see something in your peripheral vision and I thought, and then, and I heard something and I said, oh, you know, you tease here, you tease it. Thought she was behind me and turned around and, and she wasn't, there was no one behind me, but there was a huge black um, mass shape figure, just, 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 I say walking, it's not walking, it's like gliding slowly by, by behind me and and it was thick black and I felt it, it was negative and I felt it straight away and I literally thought, Jesus, what, uh, you know, hold on a minute, there could be something, I could be in trouble here. And I, and I knew then really, well, I thought, I thought then, oh, hold on a minute. Didn't, I didn't panic, I didn't, but I just thought, hmm, yeah, yeah, you right. have to kind of keep keep an eye on this, you know, I feel yeah. like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah, yeah. So you you've previously when we've talked about this before you, you said you you described yourself as like kind of cynical about this idea that there was like like an Amityville horror house you know kind of talk to me talk to me about your skepticism initially Well I I genuinely and it's, it it's, it does sound stupid it sounds seems stupid to me now but I genuinely thought that something like a haunting like the Amateurville or something where it ruins people's lives and changes people's lives and runs them out of a house it was was for movies. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't happen like that. I mean, I know that the green sludge doesn't come out the walls and stuff like that, and I know a lot of it is poetic license. But to be honest, for the most part, I never um, had heard, apart from the Amateurville haunting, really, hadn't really heard... I mean, don't forget, we're talking about 20-odd years ago, so there was no internet and there was no... And, and all you saw was what was on TV. Yeah. But I didn't think... I don't think I thought or realised that hauntings like that existed in the really real in the really real world. I thought it was the movies. I thought there was something to it, but I thought, well, it can't be that bad. You know, I, I just didn't. I just didn't. Um, I don't know why. Um... I just thought that some some of that shit was made up, and uh, <laughs> in my in my case, it turned out probably worse than some of the, the the stuff I've seen on movies. So, but no, if you'd have told me that that could have happened to me or in that house, I'd have said, "Don't be ridiculous." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have said, you know, too, too much drama involved in it. 
Because mm. I understand that your upbringing, like I think your dad particularly was was very skeptical about that kind of stuff. I've I've heard <laughs> you speak about this before. Yeah. He he doesn't believe a thing. He he would, you know, his his opinion on stuff like that is if you saw a ghost, he'd say, right, well, what happened was there was an earthquake in China and it moved over and the, the something in the atmosphere happened that came down and caused a, you know, he he would try and explain it. He does yeah. not believe. And um and I've said to him many times, I said, Dad, even when I was a little girl, did you think I was lying? And he said, No. He said, I just and I said to him, do you still think I'm, he said, I said, do you think I am lying now? He said, no. He said, I know you're not lying because you're not a liar. He said, but I cannot conceive of it. So I cannot admit it because I, I cannot even in my brain understand it to be real. So to me, yeah. I can't believe it. He said, but I know, I know you're not, <laughs> not lying. But my mum, she was a lot more um, open to it and open to the possibilities that of, there's something else. Because of course there is. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got to admit that I probably fall somewhere around where your dad is from a from mm. a kind of belief perspective. Mm. I've never seen a ghost. I'd love to see a ghost just because I think it'd be really it'd be like wow, whoa, that's crazy. Look at that. But mm. uh, you know, just I've I've never seen I've never had any kind of experience that has felt to me abnormal, let alone um, supernatural. I. I and I and I I am inclined to sort of fall on this side of like, well, there's got to be a rational, scientific, measurable, tangible exp- explanation. But I think this is also why I'm curious about your story because, like your dad, he's like, I know, you, I know, you're not like making this this up. It's I'm I'm believing there's too you. Much pro- feels, there's too much proof yeah. and evidence now, and the fact that you haven't seen anything personally, or my dad hasn't, doesn't mean to say that it doesn't exist. Because sure. not everything's about what you as a human experience. You may go your whole life not experience. It doesn't mean to say that other people don't. And your um, position on how you feel about it is, is how open-minded you are as a person. Because I might not do skydiving. doesn't mean to say I'm, I, I have an opinion, you know, because we, we, don't, we don't see and experience everything. Um, yeah. and, and because it hasn't happened to you, is, it doesn't mean to say it doesn't, ha- it doesn't, mean to say it doesn't exist. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. My 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 opinion on skeptics is, with all due respect, I don't care. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people think about me. If that's not in their life, it makes no difference to me. Anyone's opinion goes straight over my head. If they were to say I was mad or deranged, I don't care because I just think I know more than they do. Um, yeah. and yeah. which makes me luckier and more privileged than them to have seen it. So, and that's how the way I go with my dad. It's like, Dad, really, I'm just over it. Okay, you don't, you don't, you don't have to believe. And with anyone, I don't care what they believe. Um, yeah. So you never know. Maybe it will happen to you one day. My fingers are firmly crossed. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like, I'd like something unusual to happen to me. My uh, so would I. I'd like life. something unusual to happen to you, and then I'd like to talk to you <laughs> after it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. All right. Well, let's bookmark that. I, w- I want to hear what happened next. All right. So you moved in. Uh, you you had a bit of a an eerie encounter in the in the kitchen, um, but then you know over the next couple of days, over the next couple of weeks, what how was it? The it built up in there. It was it was constant. It started with things like um, I mean we had the, the open fireplace, the you know log burn fire, and the, the um, you know fire brushes and everything. They would swing back and forward. 
doors would open and shut, things would go missing, um, cupboards would open, um, taps running, um, uh, kettle going on and off. The the steps in them days it was stereo. We had a stereo turntable um, that would. You know, just general stuff like that, which was like, really? And then sometimes you think, oh, well, I I forgot I must have put that there or, you know, all the usual ration, you know, you know, trying to make sense of it all. Yeah. And and then you just stop doing that because you just think, no, hold on a minute. I'm not deranged. I'm actually a completely normal human. And um, this stuff is happening. And, you know, Nicole said the same, like this stuff is really happening. Um, So I suppose starting off but it wasn't that it was also a feeling in the house the feeling in the house started changing and I think I noticed it a lot more I don't think Nicole's particularly sensitive not like I am and um but Nicole's quite quite a wimp and mostly scare her. I mean, like even like a spider or something. She'd yeah, have to right. blow into a brown paper bag because she has panic attacks about this. Well, she used to about silly things. And so I think I probably noticed more than she did. Uh, well, 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 I did. Um, and I knew it's, 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 it's a feeling you can't, you can't make up. It's like your sixth sense. It's just there and you feel it. And even if it's a sunny day, and the doors open and it's, it, you know, my day off work and you just feel that thing or see that mass come in and feel that energy. That's not you because you've been on the piss the night before or you've just had a beer or something. You know, it's you, you sit, you're sitting there um, during the day um, to a stone cold sober. And I've said to a lot of people, actually, um, even pe- a lot of people say, well, you must have had a drink or people must have had a drink or whatever. And I've spoken to lots of people who've had these experiences and they've said, even with a drink, you don't hallucinate, you don't see ghosts, you, you, you don't see the door open and slamming. Yeah. So again, for sceptics, that's something else I would say. But yeah, that th- that feeling, even during the day in the summer, you you, you can't make that up. It's, it's, it's an energy feeling that you feel. Um, and it's... You know, it's uh, and, and it's and it's strong, and and you can and you can really feel that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I understand you did a little bit of uh, research. You started like digging into the house's history because there was like old stuff that had been left from previous occupants. Um, I didn't really do any digging into the house's history. We'd found some old photographs and things like that. I don't know if they were from the cage front from years before. All the research that I did. I found out, to be honest, a, a few years after I left the cage. So okay. I didn't know. All I knew when I moved in there really was uh, the, the last owners from the last 20 odd years. Um, it, it wasn't until after I'd left the cage that I actually got the deeds to the house because the gentleman that killed himself, his wife, she'd kept all the deeds when she'd sold it on to someone else. And then I was an ex-buyer. The people that I, I brought off, I only lived in there for about six months. Um and so a lot of the information I had was, was years and years after I left the house and she gave me the deeds. And my sister is a historian and I couldn't read these deeds. You know, it's all the old, old calligraphy and parchment writing and yeah. everything. And my sister looked through all of them and she said, she said, Vess, it, 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 this doesn't make sense. She said it. And I'm like, what, what? Tell me what, you know, what are they saying? And the deeds um, for 300 years, over 300 years, Nobody has ever owned that house. 
for longer than three years. Three years is maximum. Most people were um, four months or a few weeks or a year. And she said, that is, she said, but don't you realise in those days there, were, there was no estate agents, you know, hundreds of years ago. You didn't buy and sell houses like that. This was, this was a small house. This wasn't a grand house or, you know, and, and houses just didn't change ownership like that. She said, my sister said, you would keep a house um, within the family for generation after generation after generation. And she said, as a historian, she's never seen an example like it where that house was continuously up for sale. And I'm actually, well, I was... It transpired to be, I think, either the first or the second longest owner of a house since it was built hundreds of years ago. I mean, one man brought it for £150 English pounds and sold it for £100. Now, you think £50 then was £50,000 now, or probably more, probably a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would you do that? Why could you afford to lose that? And why do people keep on moving out of the house? And it's always within three years. It's never, ever, nobody ever lasted there longer than three years. And I said to my sister, oh, my God, that's crazy. You know, I, I lived in there for three years. Yeah, um, that, just, that just is under, crazy. Yeah. So, like, I understand, you know, there was a bit of sleepwalking as well. well like, tell me about that. That was later. That was later. That was on. later. That was, that, it, it, got, it was really, really bad then. Nicole had left by then. And that was when I was oh. just living in, well, let's uh, well, let's let's pause that. Let's let's yeah. just sort of follow the chronology, like as you recall it. Like, so so you kind of moved in, and the mood started to change. You know, sort of walk me through yeah. the steps. So yeah, it. I, I started then seeing full blown ghosts in the house. I mean, one day it was it was in the afternoon, and I was just sitting there watching TV. It was my day off, and the back door was open because it was a nice hot day, and I just just caught my eye. This man, and he had uh, long black scraggy hair. Um, he had quite a, a, a like a tanned face. Uh, he had deep laughter lines. I remember seeing the. I remember thinking he had these kind of deep laughter lines, but remember thinking it was quite weird because he he appeared to me quite young, but his skin looked older. If you know what I mean, um, he had lovely eyes, and he I, I could only see him from the waist up, and he was just literally staring at me, and just uh, looking at me through the beams. He was he was in the hall, and I was in the front room. And it was broad daylight and he was there for definitely over a minute. And he was just as, as if time had got trapped somehow, an eclipse of time or something, but, but he was there. And I, and, and he was staring at me and, and I'm convinced he could see me and, and I could see him. And then he just slowly, uh, he just slowly disappeared. But I didn't feel scared with him at all. He felt nice. I didn't feel any type of way scared about him. He was fascinating and I was looking at him thinking, oh my God, and I even remember, you know, like, like I say, I just remember the laughter lines, but he was, this is going to sound ridiculous or crazy, but it's not, but he, he was, he, he had he had a good looking face. He wasn't yeah, like, yeah. oh. He, he was a he, handsome he was, man. He was, yeah, I yeah. know that sounds a bit weird. Bit of a hike. I have to say how, I dis- <laughs> yeah, but I, I can only tell you what I saw. I, I got to describe it, yeah. how I described it. He didn't have a screaming, ah, you know, scar yeah, face. Yeah. He, he was, he was quite attractive. Wow. And, and I, I was fascinated by him and I just looked at him and I thought, oh my God, I'm actually seeing this. Am I awake? Yes. Am I asleep? No, I was just watching TV. I'm not watching a horror movie. I haven't got a glass, you know, all of these things that, yeah. And, and I saw him clear as day. He, yeah, it was crazy. But I've that seen would a have, lot. Of- 
That would have scared the shit out of me. I'd have, um, <laughs> even if I he was like a bit of a handsome ghost, I'd have probably just walked straight out the front ghost, door. Yeah. But you, you don't know until it happens and then you know your reaction. We all could all say, oh, I'd act like this, I'd act like that. But you never really know till it happens. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and the thing is as well, obviously ghosts and spirits come with energy and you as a human will feel that energy. Now, if that was a scary, horrible ghost, you would feel scared. And, and, and for me, if it's nice and calm, it's you don't feel scared. You feel more fascinated or you just feel because they come with their own energy. And that's how you can tell. That's your sixth sense that thinks, hold on a minute, something's not right. And, well, you wouldn't know, actually, because you claim that you've never um, experienced stuff like this before or had any weird type of feeling. Yeah. But the, the, the people that have would, would say, oh, hold on a minute. I don't know why, but there's just something wrong. You know, I went to a cinema or a theatre or, or wherever and there's just something wrong. And I can't put my finger on it, but it felt wrong. And that's your sixth six sense kicking in off the, off the back of some, some type of energy. Uh, and it works the same with friendly ghosts as well. Their energy is, is not scared, so, auto, so you don't automatically um, w- would want to run out of the house screaming. Got it. You know, you yeah, would, yeah, that wouldn't yeah. be your first reaction. You might okay. sit there and go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. That's what I did. I can't believe I'm seeing this. I can't believe I'm seeing this. Oh, my God, oh, my God, this is really fucking freaky. But it's no threat to me. And that's yeah. how I, I felt about him. And I didn't feel that about all of them in the cage. But him, he, he felt nice. I mean, so let, let's assume that this is some little, like, kink in time, a little wrinkle mm. or something that, you know, you are – witnessing a person who potentially died hundreds of years ago like that's pretty cool you know there's a bit of time travel involved in that well um, i mean it's called it's called stone type theory they they believe that you know that the energy and the emotions of of, of somebody while they were alive um in prints and implants itself into um services like brick or, or you know a wood and and, it, and the atmosphere and it replays itself so that would be the scientific explanation for that um, but on the other hand, you know, the dead can, so, so for example, you know, like you'd have the woman that ran across the road on that anniversary every night of the year in a wedding dress and got run over. And then it replays itself over and over and over on that anniversary every year, every night at the same time, every bit of that road. Yeah. So that would be something like you're saying time getting trapped and imprinting and playing over and over like stone t- tape theory. But then say your nan coming back to visit you or a ghost that's that that happens in real time that's a, that's something that um is, is is physically active and that you know it it's you know essentially a spirit that is coming back and living in your house or visiting your house and 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 you can communicate with and and they do understand you they're not you know floating sheets in the wind They've yeah. got a thought process and they can do things and they can touch things and they can move things and they can decide what they want to do, which makes it quite scary because you can't fight a ghost. You know, what can you do? If you have a haunting like that, what can you do? Call the police, they can't do anything. What can you do? Well, what what did you do? I understand you called the local vicar. Yeah, I called the vicar. Yeah, I, I had to. So- I am... Um, uh, and, and he came and he, he came and he, he came round and uh, we looked at the whole house first. So and he went in every room and he said, "What's the issue?" And I said, "Well, um, that ghost I just told you about, I named him Jack. So I, this is not long after I'd seen Jack because Jack you. was around for quite a while actually, and I couldn't get rid of him. And he was around for a while, and so I had to include him as part of the house. So I said to Nicole, "Right, listen, 
we've just got a fella we're living with at the moment. <laughs> You're probably not going to be able to see him, but um, and I thought, oh god, but he, he can't stay. You know, he can't, he can't stay here with the time. You know, had so- had Nicole seen this Jack guy, or like had she seen any of this sort of stuff going down? Nicole had seen a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, I remember one night we we sat there again. We'd only been in the house weeks I think or months again it was summer it was evening we're just sitting watching the front room watching tv and I just looked up to the ceiling and I just saw this collection of sparkly sparkly bright lights but as I'm looking up they multiplied thousands and thousands and thousands and I'm just sitting there literally not saying anything just as if I just transfixed on these lights anyway they, they became literally millions of them tiny tiny the way I could describe it you know the sparkles at the end of Tinkerbell in the Disney movies. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm imagining so, like little stars, like a, yeah, like a but sort tiny, of faint t- stars. Yeah, absolutely minute. And then the whole room just was literally for, almost filled. And I and then I so I, I've looked over at Nicole really slowly because Nicole's not saying anything, and I don't even know what she's doing or looking at because I'm just focused on what's happening. And I looked over her slowly, and she's the same as me. She's just sitting up with her head looking up to the ceiling. And I said, Nicole. Um, are you, I said saying like, what are you looking at or what are you seeing? And uh, she'd said, um, if you're seeing the same as me, why is this room full of millions of stars? It was it was a conversation like that. I've said, what are you looking at? I watch it, and she said, I am seeing in this room. She said, are you seeing exactly the same as I'm seeing? And you know, if if it's like millions of stars, this room, then yeah, I'm seeing it too. And we both, she was on one sofa, I was on another. And we both just watched. And then they just started popping out, fading, bit by bit. But then they were gone. And then we went, oh, my God. Did you? What was that? We both saw it. It wasn't dark. It was a summer's evening. It was warm outside. We both saw exactly the same thing, exactly the same time. That happened. We weren't hallucinating. We weren't on medication. You know, there was nothing what a skeptic would say, right, well, well, you know, th- there was nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, sure. We sure. both saw it at the same time in the same house, and we, and you know why we both saw it because it happened because it was real. That's how we both saw it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds it sounds kind of fun, like like the, that particular case there. Yeah, that, like, was, that, sounds, that was that was that was just lovely. Kind of magical. Yeah. It was, it was, and, and that was crazy. And we were like, oh my god, that's crazy. Did you just see that? You know, I mean, stuff like that is great to see. Yeah, yeah. People usually have to take acid for that but you got this like amazing (laughs) show for free (laughs) yeah the thing is listen when they're taking acid you're not necessarily going to say the same thing unless there's a power suggestion there but seeing as we'd never actually discussed it until i said oh my god and you know we both realized it was the same thing um yeah so yeah but uh yeah she, she she was aware i was aware more we're gonna take a quick ad break here and we'll be right back with more what it was like you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So at a certain point, you were like, right, well, the house, uh, the house has got too many ghosts in it, so we should get the local vicar. Was this the thinking? Yeah, well, I decided that. I didn't tell Nicole a lot because she was bloody scared of everything, so I tried to keep as much of it. And to be honest, I didn't want her to move out because I thought if she knows the extent of it, she's going to move out and leave me here, and I didn't want that to happen. So I kept a lot from her. But, um, yeah, so I got the vicar, and he had a look. He looked in all the rooms, Um and he came downstairs and we were having a chat. He was sitting on the sofa. I was telling him what was happening and explaining it to him. And he said to me that he had been a vicar for X amount of 20, 30 years, however long it was. And he said that until he had the parish in St. Osith, he'd never been approached by people to come and do exorcisms or house cleansing in the houses. And he said, I can tell you now, he said, when I came to this parish, he said, I have had people asking me every single month in private, can you come to my house? There's something very... And he said he'd never had it anywhere else. He said, but St. Osith, he did. And so he was used to doing this. Um, right. So he explained okay. to me, and, and quite a few were up my road. So he'd explained to me that, look, I wasn't deranged because there was a lot of other people that needed help in the village as well. Um, and so he was... he. And he got it. He 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 believed in it. A lot of vicars, I don't think, would have given it the time of day, but he did. 
Um, so he was telling me all this downstairs and then he said, OK, let's get started. So I put his robe on the holy water, went back upstairs and all the taps were full blown running upstairs in the bathroom. And we'd only been up there 15 minutes beforehand. And I said to him, look, I see I've told you, I've told you this is one of the things. And he said, yeah, he said, I can feel something here. He said, I can definitely he, he said he said he said, you've got a problem. He said this feeling isn't right. Um, and he said, if you need any more help, let me know. And I waited weeks and weeks and the house was still the same. Nothing much had changed, although I didn't see Jack anymore. So I think he'd managed to pass Jack over. But um, when I did go to contact him again, he'd left the parish. And okay. And I, so I never had contact with him again. He'd actually left the parish. But the vicar that had taken over, she didn't believe in that type of stuff and that wasn't something you ever could, could have said to have done. But, yeah, so I, I did... I did. And he was a really lovely man as well. But he'd said, you're not mad. And he said, I'm, I'm having to do this a lot in this village. And he said, but I've never had to do it before I came here. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And did crazy. it work? Did it? I mean, no, like, no, no. All right. I think it felt nicer for a few days. I mean, it's amazing. I believe in God and Jesus. I believe in all that stuff. So I'm glad that, he, you know, a, a, a man like him came in and blessed the house. And that would have made me feel comfortable naturally anyway. Yeah. Um, but no, it didn't work. Okay. Right. So what did you do next? Nothing. You just carried on living with it. I mean, there wasn't really anything I I thought to do. I didn't think about I just tried to live with it as best as I could. Um, but I was in fear all the time, especially when Nicole had left and especially the last year. It got so bad. Um well, let's um let's set that up. So, so I understand Nicole got a boyfriend. Yeah, uh, and then like there was the three of you living there for a while. Yeah, John Chapman, and he was he was my childhood friend anyway. So, I I'd, okay. I'd known John. Yeah, so we all knew each other very well. And the three of you made a pact to to not leave each other alone in the yeah. house. Is that right? Yeah, it was because Nicole used to like staying up late watching all stuff on TV, and because I had to get up really early for work, I would always go to bed earlier and, and it got to a point where if, any, if, if anyone was going to stay up late then somebody would stay with them or they don't stay up late they go to bed you know Nicole slept in my bed with me a lot um before she got with John she was scared of the house and she used to come and get in she used to sleep with me in bed a lot so that stuff was but you do that you know that's a natural thing to do I think when you yeah. know you're living yeah. with stuff that you can't control and you can't do anything about. You just do whatever you feel that you can for some type of protection from, you know, you don't even know what you're fighting. That's the problem. You don't even know how to do it. So you just do what your human instinct tells you to do. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about the blood. I I think. uh... Yeah, that was the weirdest thing. That was one of the. So my, um, again, one of my best friends, Kirsty, she's, um, she runs uh, the, the cancer ward in our town um so she's a essentially she's a blood she's a blood nurse and her uh fiance his fiance at the time they've been married now over 20 years but um he was a sergeant major and he was on leave from i think it was a rack i think he was uh i think it was a rack at the time he went to afghanistan straight after but i think it at the time it was a rack and um so they they came round and um, they walked through the hall bit and in the hall bit there was laminate flooring at the time and then there was the front room 
the carpet. So they've walked through the hall. I mean, Neil's huge. He's a big fella. His job at the time was to process a Taliban. So you can imagine this guy isn't scared of anything. This is a big man. Um, Walked through to the kitchen, put the kettle on, made a cup of tea, come back. So what does that take? Eight to ten minutes to do that. Sat on the sofa. Then Neil said, Vess, what's all that blood over there? Well, I'm thinking, well, there can't be any blood. You You just walked past there. And if there was blood, one, you'd have noticed it. And two, there'd be all footprints in it. And three, well, there's no blood anyway, you know, because <laughs> there isn't any blood. So yeah. I didn't kind of take him very seriously. I carried on talking to Kirsty, but then he got up and then he walked over to this part of the room and he got his finger in this blood and he said, look at this, what's this? So, of course, me and Kirsty have gone over there. And Kirsty's a blood nurse. She knows what blood looks like. She knows what blood looks like. She knows what it smells like. Her life works around human blood. And, or, or, you know, and she, she knows the texture of blood. She said it's blood. And we're like, well, hold on a minute. So Neil's focusing, right. So what must have happened is he's thinking a window's open, a cat's jumped in that's injured or a bird's flown in that's injured. They've bled. While we were making a cup of tea, they've, they've bled on the thing. Where's the injured animal? Where's this? And no injured animal. So there's no windows open. And I remember him. He was got his hands along the ceilings, feeling them all. Is there a leak? Is there, there's someone upstairs, but you know, just anything, just, just trying to find an explanation. I mean, and, and, and he couldn't, and, and there wasn't an explanation because it wasn't there 10 minutes earlier. It was not there 10 minutes earlier. How much Um, blood was it? It was quite a bit. It was like, um, if you can imagine getting a pipette, you know, to squeeze, yeah. just, yeah. and that's what it was droplets. So it wasn't smears everywhere. They've dramatized it on some TV shows I've done. It's like wading through blood. It wasn't that. It was just, say, um, 50 or 60, you know, just, just drops, splat, 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 splat. Um, yeah, right. So, so I mean, uh, imagine like you've cut your wrists or something and, and then it's just coming, to, it, it, it was a bit, you know, it's like that. But yeah. Um, and then Neil turned around and said to me, so he's doing his investigations. I'm like, I don't know what the hell's happening here. Kirsty's like, I'm definitely telling you that's blood. And then Neil turned around to me and said, Vess, what the fuck's going on in this house? He was terrified. He said, what the fuck is going His brain couldn't work it out. He couldn't work it out. Well, none of us could. But a man like him, he's a soldier in the war. He's, he's a tough yeah, guy. Yeah. He's not scared of things. And, and, and he can fight and kill people. He's not scared of things. And he was angry because he couldn't work it out. And and I suppose that put the fear in him. How the hell is it, all this blood just got here? And it wasn't here five minutes ago. Did it freak you out? Ago. Were you scared? Yeah, I think we all were. I, th- I, th- yeah. I think I was more scared after they'd left. Because at the time, you're just trying to work, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then after that, but it's, it's shock. It's disbelief. It's like, how the hell did that happen? You know, yeah. that, that has actually just happened, you know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and lots of stuff lots and lots of stuff like that happened. Things would just appear and disappear and in front of lots of people and lots of people saw this stuff. This wasn't just me, Vanessa Mitchell, in this house. This was seen by multiple people over years and years. And the previous owners of the cage, things had happened to them as well. I found out years after leaving and, and heard things. You know, this this is a real story. There's, there's something yeah. wrong with that house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I mean, I'm utterly convinced. So, so Nicole left at a certain point. She moved out with her boyfriend. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So then you were living there by yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you want to just walk me through how that felt? Well, it was. Um, it got worse and worse. Um, I. 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 Um, I ended up living in just the upstairs bedroom. Um, I didn't use any of the rest of the house at all by this point, by the end. I mean, I can't talk you through three hours of stuff that happened. It's, it's too much to say in, in one interview. Yeah. But by the end, um, I was living in one room. So I put everything was upstairs. And, and then by then I'd, I'd had a, a, my son, Jesse. So um, I was a single parent in the house. And so everything, we never sat downstairs at all. So upstairs in my room, I had his baby bouncer and the bottles, everything I needed, nothing was, so I'd come in, I'd pick him up, I'd get him from work, pick him up from the childminders, um, yeah, pick him up first, get, you know, get him from work and we'd go straight up the stairs and we'd stay in, in, in the room the entire time. I didn't use any, uh, I didn't use the kitchen, I didn't cook any dinners, I didn't do anything, just, just lived in that room, but towards the end. Because I that- thought to myself, the only thing I can, the only thing I thought that I could do was, if I make myself as small as possible, if I try and make myself as unseen as possible in this house by not using the rest of the house, maybe I might. It, it'll be a bit better. Maybe it might. It, it'll just be a bit safer. It never made any difference, but that that's what I did at the time. I didn't. Um, I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, yeah. And so this was like the newest part of the house. No, it well. I mean, it was an extension on top of the prison room, but when you say new, it was still old. Still old. Yeah, right. Okay. Because it, okay. it was an old property, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then at the same time, I, I think I think this is something about this story that I find uh, pretty moving is that, you know, the, like the global financial crisis was happening. Like yeah. people were losing their jobs around you. You're a single mum. Uh, all of a sudden, you you lost your tenant essentially. So you're paying for this house, you're paying for this mortgage by yourself. Mm. Talk to me about the, like the financial stress of, of like, never mind the haunting, but the financial stress must've been terrible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when, when I was in the, when I was in the house, the mortgage rates had literally doubled overnight. It was that crisis and, and mine had, cause I wasn't on a fixed, I wasn't on a fixed rate. And then even after I left the house, um, the, you know, I, I had to leave my, I, I ended up leaving the house and I, but I still had to pay for a house that I wasn't living in. Um, and that is, you know, again, still single parent and you, you just have to work harder and have nothing and just, and, and, and just earn enough just to, just to pay for this house you can't even live in, which was, was your dream home in your dream location and turned out so horrific in the end that it was either going to be you or the house. Like, you know, I had no choice. I had to leave. I had to get me and my baby to safety. And that's what I did. So I just walked out of there one day. But yeah, of course, the finance, financial implications were horrific, terrible. Like yeah, any human yeah, yeah. That, that has to pay for that, 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 that needs to pay out more than they're earning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's, let's take a step back for a moment. So at this point when you've got a newborn, you know, you've got your newborn son and you're living and you've barricaded yourself effectively up in the upstairs room. Were there ever any times where you had to go down? You had to take your son down to the kitchen or anything, you know. The the, the I remember that the, the one time really sticks out. Um, I had no more more clothes left for work ironed, and I couldn't take the iron upstairs because it wouldn't fit. The ironing board wouldn't fit, and I remember thinking, I need to iron some clothes to work. So I thought, right, I'm just going to iron three things. 
you know, a blouse, a skirt and a jacket or whatever. And I just remember thinking, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be two minutes. I'm going to be two minutes because the whole the rest of the time, I would never, ever go anywhere without taking Jesse, my son, with me. He was always with me. If I went one room, I'd make sure he, he was with me because I knew the house wasn't safe. And I got into a good routine of that and that didn't bother me. But just this one day he was upstairs asleep in the cot and I remember thinking, oh, I just don't want to wake him up. So I'm thinking it'll take me two minutes. I'll run downstairs quickly. Um, so I went downstairs and the ironing board was in the prison room. And so um, on the floor of the prison room was Jude's toy, uh, Jesse's toy, toy boxes and toys. And he had some of the, those little, you know, Thomas the Tank Engines where, you know, you turn them on and then they go off and play the music and do things. And so I remember going downstairs, setting up the ironing board in the prison room and within minutes four or five of Jude's toys just came from the corners of the rooms and just started going off by themselves these Thomas tank engines three Thomas tank engines going round the feet of the you know of the ironing board and the toys started making a noise and I just oh and that actually doesn't sound much on, on itself, but when you think about yeah. all the other things that happened, it was, it was that to me now, I look back at that, and if that happened to me now, I don't think I'd have been as terrified, but the point is so much had happened leading up to this. It was just like, for God's sake, I've only popped downstairs. I've only just come downstairs. I never even come downstairs, and now I have just for three minutes just to do something quickly, and I can't even do that without something happening. So I remember turning off the iron, let, opening the, the door, because it's an old, you had to open this wooden door to get up the stairs, these like creaky little low stairs. And as I've done that to get upstairs, to get back to Jesse, there's a man standing at the top of the stairs and he had on brown trousers, brown colour and a whitish colour shirt. And he's standing at the top of the stairs. And, but of course he wasn't solid. He was more see-through-y. Uh, and... And I, th- and I th- you know, it, it just, and, and that was just one example of me popping downstairs when I hadn't done and just, you know, bloody terrified. You know, yeah. just don't forget, I'm downstairs, my son's upstairs, and in between me and my son, there's a man standing at the top of the stairs. Now, yeah. the guy who hung himself in the house, he hung himself at the top of the stairs. Was that significant? I don't know. It's not like they say, right, my name's so-and-so and and I'm here for so-and-so reasons. A lot of it's guesswork. I'm not a medium. I'm not a psychic. I I can't communicate them with with them like that. I've just always seen them. So you just, I don't know, you just, it it, it just becomes impossible. Impossible. So what did you do? You pushed past this Yeah, it was gone by the time I'd got up the stairs. They just evaporate. There, There was no, with that particular one, there was no feeling or force to it it was just it's just there I, I yeah. got I got in the room obviously as usual got Jesse in bed with me because I used to he used to sleep in bed with me I, would, I wouldn't just put him in his cot even though the cot was next to my bed because he'd always sleep in bed with me because I was terrified of what could happen to him even when he was born even when he was a tiny baby you're not you're not supposed to do that but I had to I thought god not bloody risking him you know being yeah. in the cot on his own yeah, yeah. Seriously, was he was he ever affected, or did anything he was a ever baby. happen to him? He, I mean, I remember a few times um, him looking at uh, 
looking at something and stop what he was doing and turn around and start, you know, when he, when he got older and just look into the into a, a space in the room which I couldn't see anything and he started laughing or giggling or but that was always something friendly he was looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I and mean, I remember. Me... Sorry, go on. Um, one of the worst things, include you know, that he was involved in was. Um, I could hear someone coming up the stairs, boom, 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 loud. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And my my bedroom door, um, it's the old-fashioned latches, the wrought iron latches. And um, to get in my bedroom, you have to up the latch and walk in. And someone was standing outside, and I could, I could hear it. I knew all the doors were locked, and nobody had broken in. You know, please, God, please let it be a human, because I got half a chance with a human. You know, I, I used to wish it was a burglar. Um and the latch went up and down, and then got faster and faster yeah. and faster. It was just smashing against itself. And this is like saying like two o'clock in the morning. I am absolutely terrified. I can't jump out the window because my only option is at this point to jump out the window with a baby through the glass or I come and confront, open this door, or I stay in the bed with my heart literally cracking open my ribs, beating out of my chest out of pure fear. What do you do? I've got a little baby there. You know what you do? You just stay there, and it's absolutely terrifying. I, 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 you know, some people say, "Oh, we should have gone and confront it." Really? Wouldn't it? Well, you wouldn't have confronted it, especially with a baby. No. You just stay there and 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 get underneath the covers. And please, God, go away, go away, go away. Our Father, who are you know, you you, you do whatever you can. So what did, what happened? Nothing. It just stopped. It just it just, just stopped, stopped, and it just stopped. It never came in. The door never opened on that occasion. It just stopped. You try Shit. living with that, you know. I mean, again, I'm talking about this is a long time ago. Yeah. You know, when there is you, no gone. You mentioned before that uh, you started sleepwalking. What can yeah. you tell me about that? I, I would never, I mean, <laughs> I would never. I, I put a potty in, in, in the bedroom so I'd never have to go out of the bedroom at night. That's how bad it was. Because I would have to go out the bedroom past the hanging beam where the last res- resident hung himself and into this part of the house, which was so scary. So um, I made sure that I was not going to, I never had to leave that bedroom. But then I'd find myself waking up in the hall, in the bit where he'd hung himself on the floor, just waking up there. Um, as if. Well, like, I re- like standing or sitting or. Sitting, crou- um, cr- cr- crouching over. Like in a ball, um, a lot of the time crying, a lot of the time, uh, and and just opposite the beam where he was, where he hung, and it started happening quite a lot. I never, I must have slept walked there because I certainly wouldn't have done it off my own back. I certainly would never have left that room. I'd never have left that room, and I certainly would have, wouldn't have gone into that part of the house. I wouldn't have done it. I think it was something, whatever was in the energy of the house, leading me there. I, I honestly think that a bit because by then, the house had taken over so much of my brain and life, so much that it, I, I knew I was completely defenseless at that point. I knew by then that I felt like my life just went to, to like a flat line. I, I couldn't. It. It. I, I had no fight left. For anything at all, it, it, everything was gone. I couldn't. I couldn't work properly. My my work life was affected hugely. Um, 
I was depressed beyond it, it just it just something really bad in that house is dark and negative and just got me just got me I understand it more now because now you could actually turn on the tv and watch about this stuff but don't forget back in my day you, you couldn't there, there wasn't yeah. really there isn't discovery plus and all these channels you can see so many programs now so I never had the experience of any of that um you know to watch those shows to at least know how to try and deal with it I, I, I just didn't know nowadays if it happened I'd have that sorted very quickly I feel but of course back then there's nothing yeah. there's nothing I could do I, I didn't know what to do it it feels to me like uh, at a certain point you're just a prisoner in your own home. It's like a it's like a really yeah. bad relationship where you're just stuck and you you don't have the self confidence at a certain point to just say you know what I'm out too much I'm I'm done well, with. Well, I couldn't. Who who's going to come and knock on my door? Oh hi Vanessa, right? Here's two thousand pounds. There's a thousand pound for a new place to live. There's a thousand pounds for your, for your month upfront rent. Who is going to do yeah, that? Yeah, right. People can't people can't just leave houses. You can't just leave your house. I wouldn't get rehomed because I had a property anyway. Oh, excuse me, social. Can you rehouse me? Why is that? You've got a perfect. Oh no, it's haunted. They'd have told me to do one. <laughs> you know, where, yeah. where do you go? Yeah. Where do you go with a baby? What, what, what do you actually do? You can't do so anything. What, That's the reality. You have to stay so what there. Finally, was the catalyst to leave? Like, was there a moment where you were just like, "No, this is too much. I'm done." The, the final thing was, was what I said when there was a man in between me and Jesse, my son, at the top of the stairs. That was it, yeah. But that, that, that was just the final thing. But there had been so, so much leading up to that. I mean, I'm talking three years of constant activity. Um, and, and, then, and then my friend Kerry said to me, actually, she said, look, uh, um, she's, she was living in Colchester, a, t- a town, you know, like 20 minutes away from me. And she said, look, I've got a spare room. Do you want to come and move in? And I'm like, Yes. So I literally packed my stuff and left. I was gone within like two days. So I left my house, um, my home in my village, which was near my job, to move literally the other side of Colchester, which took me an hour to and from work at least every day, there, back, there, back, um, to rent a room off her, you know, to live with her. Um, And I had to leave my house. But that was a lot better than staying in the house. But the minute I got a chance to go, I went, just, just got out there quick. Yeah. And yeah, left yeah. my home. I mean, to go did, and live in someone so, else's home. You know, did your friends and family believe you or did, was there a bit of skepticism or like that would have been hard to deal with? I don't know. I, I, I look back at it. I mean, I, but people did believe me. But I think towards, t- towards the last year and that, towards the end, I think I was so buried by it but all I th- I don't even think I, I I told anyone how bad it got I mean I suppose I must have done I don't really know but I know I know that I changed so much in my own brain that I don't think I don't think I went to anyone and said because I'm sure if I'd have gone to my mum and said mum mum please help me please help me please help me do whatever you can I need to get out of this house because my mental health, because I'm going to top myself in this house because this house is so bad. I'm telling you, I'm terrified. I don't think I ever said that because if I begged my mum, she would have helped me. So would my dad. They would have yeah. done. And yeah, yeah. I look back now and, or, or a friend would have, if I'd have said, I'm, I'm so, you know, I really, really need help. And I, and I couldn't have said it because I would have got help. But, but I know by then my own brain and my own life was so affected. It was like I was kind of a zombie human anyway i wasn't even in my own brain anyway i wasn't even properly vanessa yeah i yeah, wasn't yeah. 
because because of what the house had done and and because what was happening every day for years day in day out just bit by bit you know tapping scratching away get, getting and affecting me like that yeah. um did you ever have thoughts of suicide or self-harm you know like did it get to that point towards the end i i thought if i don't leave here this is going to be me or the house um yeah and that's again when you think oh, I can't, I can't be, because I'm actually a very normal person. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I, there wasn't anything ever in my past or in my mental health that ever would have even made me think anything like that, apart from that house. And I think that's when I knew. I rang my uncle one night and I said to him, "Jem, I'm, I, I'm in trouble here because I feel like, I feel like this type of way." And uh, he said, right, I'm coming up and I'm coming up. And it was the next day, actually, that Kerry said to me, right, come and move in with me. And I right. look back now how I felt then. And I get, I understand why the man that lived there, few, you know, six months before me, killed himself in there. I get it. And you know what? If he'd have lived somewhere else, I don't think he'd have done it. I don't think. Because if you can imagine, if you're living somewhere, like it's constantly, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself. If you can imagine living like that, and then well, it's just, hold on, wait. Do you mean like the house? Did you hear sort of like little voices? Sometimes like that, you'd like- hear, and sometimes it would just the just the energy wrapped around you. This, this dark thing that was in that house, that energy, that evil, bad. Um, you know, I, I I really believe that he he wouldn't have. I I don't think he'd have killed himself if if he'd have lived somewhere else or if he'd have moved out. And I think all the uh, other people that had you know, left that house, fleed that house over 300 years when, when they shouldn't have had to leave. I think, I, think they were, I think there was something in it. They were feeling some kind of way the same as well, that, that, that they knew that it was bad. They had to get out. They had to get out. Um, yeah. Because it wasn't yeah, just yeah. me. This is talking about 300 years worth. Of, we have scientific fact and proof that 300 years worth of residents of that house have had to leave it. Yes, yes. Did you ever yell at the house or like kind of fight back or lose your lose your temper? Um no. No, I don't ever remember doing that. Listen, yeah. I'm not stupid. You don't wind up saying that you can't fight. You don't <laughs> you know, you don't take on a fight that you know you can't win. Yeah, you don't want to take on it. You, you, like you're not going to try and house. aggravate it. You wouldn't risk it. You know, that's just yeah. common sense. Yeah, yeah. You just yeah, try and totally. make yourself Smaller, but no, you don't risk yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so so you sold it again, right? Like, w- yeah. what's happening to it now? The, the, the ha- it's empty now. The house is empty. The lady who brought it, she hasn't mo- moved in there yet. I don't think she will do now. So thank God the house just remains empty. Nobody's lived in there then now for years. Um, I don't know what happened to it at the end, but for the minute, it's safe, you know, because uh, nobody goes in it. It's locked up and it's empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, I mean, did she, were you like, oh, look, I'm going to sell you this house, but i got to be honest with you, it's uh, completely, yeah. I told her everything. I said to her, I I said, you're crazy. I spoke to her son and, you know, I said, are you sure? And she said, I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. Or if she did, well, I think she believed in some of it actually, but she, she, she didn't seem to care. And she was warned and told. She Googled me. She Googled the house. She knew everything. She just wanted to buy it. And I'm glad yeah. she did because she doesn't live there, but that at least doesn't mean nobody else can get affected by the house now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, I, I think my last question is really just 
like what what is your take on the house? Like, is it effectively just haunted? Do you think it's haunted by I don't know witches from the sixteen hundreds or something? Or like, what's I think what is your theory? I think there is so many layers of history in that house. There is so many layers of ghosts and spirits and things that have happened to people there. I think the witch part could be a part of it, probably is a part of it, but I don't think by any means that's the biggest part of it. I think that the fact that witches witches took their last, saw their last freedom in there and some of them died in there over the years, I I don't think that's, obviously I think, Energy can stay around for anyone, but I don't think it's haunted essentially by witches only. I think that, that, you know, there's a lot of spirits there. There's definitely men, women and children there. I've heard them and seen them. Um, The the, the place is um, haunted with layers and layers of history and energy. And I don't know who will ever get to the bottom of it. And uh, do you know what? I'll probably be there myself one day. One day I'll I'll probably go back there and I'll I'll add to it, but yeah. Why? Why? Uh, why will you add to it? I ju- I just I just always think that I just think that I had to own that house for a reason. That that's the start of the story. Why I had to is why this has happened. Why it it turns so bad? There still must be a reason for it. There still must be because why did I have to buy this house? I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Don't believe in what the Bible says particularly, but I believe there's you know I, I believe up there is good and I believe sometimes we have purposes and we have to do things for a reason and we come here for a reason before we go back up to heaven again and I know there's a reason for it why I had to have the house I know all this bad there's got to be a reason for it um and yeah and I think one day I, I probably will go back there I will I probably will go back and see what the hell was going on in there as spirit myself yeah, won't stay there, but I'll definitely. Yeah, visit. yeah. I hope you don't get. Uh, hope you don't get stuck there. I'm thinking yeah. to. Um, I'm thinking about the Shining, the very last yeah. scene of the Shining, where uh, Jack Nicholson becomes part of the photo in the uh, the old yeah. hotel. As long as I can get up to heaven first, I can come back. It's, it's not getting stuck in the first place. It's the first transition you have to worry about getting stuck, and that, that that's the scary part. But as long as I can get back up there, I know I can. I can come back and get out again. I hope so. Good. Yeah. Positivity. All right, Vanessa, I'm going to let you go, but thank you so much for your time. It's uh, It's been an amazing conversation. And cool, and thanks for having me on, and hopefully speak again another time soon. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this conversation and you want to hear more of Vanessa's story and, and her insights, I'd highly recommend checking out her podcast. Vanessa's got a podcast, of course. Uh, it's called The Haunted Podcast, And it's on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's just wherever you get podcasts. Go and check it out. Also, if you've enjoyed today's episode and you're thinking, hey, I've got a story that's, uh, well, you know, it, it could be good for what it was like, please hit me up, get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. I am Julian Morgans on Instagram and Morgans Julian on Twitter. Today's episode was produced by Rachel Tuffery. It was edited and mixed by Jimmy Saunders, who also did our theme music. Our cover art is by Naomi Lee Beveridge, And this whole thing has been a super real production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.